Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 33, again, Jesus speaking here, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vow you have made. But I tell you, don't swear an oath at all. For either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair on white or black. Uh, all you need to say is simply yes and no, and anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Oaths, vows, they were a really big deal, really until recent history. In, in religion, an oath or a vow was a, a massive thing, but not just in religion, but in just general life. You can read in history about a person or groups of people who make a vow or an oath, and then they go and do something historic that has nothing to do with faith. It's just a, a political or a personal thing. The most famous vow or type of vow in the Bible might be the Nazarite vow, and you can go read in the book of Judges, the story of Samson, you know, no cutting your hair, no anything from the fruit of the vine, so no wine, no grapes, no raisins, no vinegar. There was a bunch of things with that. Um, you weren't supposed to touch a dead thing. There were all these things involved with that vow. And actually, you can go to the book of Acts, and there's an indication that the apostle Paul had a, a temporary Nazarite vow. Samson, John the Baptist, and the Gospels, they lived lifetime under that vow. John the Baptist actually did it. Samson, not so great at it. But there's an indication that the Apostle Paul took a temporary vow over a period of months. And then when he came to the temple in Jerusalem, he ceremonially had his head shaved as the end of that vow. He had been growing out his hair, and now he's going to shave his head to signify that that time of vow had ended. They were a really, really big deal. And as we talked about last Sunday, the religious people were really, really good at finding loopholes. Oh, I took this vow, but here's my way out of it. Or I'm going to take this vow in such a way so I can look really good like I'm a, a, being a spiritual person, but I have crafted it in such a way that I get out of stuff. Um, I did this once, uh, it was uh, 2020, um, you know, COVID hit. And there was all this stuff about comorbidities. And so I said, hey, I got to get my health going on. We didn't have a vaccine. There wasn't one coming soon. And so I said, hey, I got to get my health on and I got to lose some weight. And I'm proud to say I've lost uh, 30 pounds since COVID started. I don't know if it shows, but I've, I've lost 30 pounds. One of the things that I did was I took a month of a really restrictive calorie diet. But within that month, I set a loophole. Because Father's Day was coming. And I said, you know what? On Father's Day, I can eat whatever I want. That was, that was the deal. And that was kind of the idea. Was they would make these vows, but then they'd say, oh, but every Thursday's cheat day. Um, and, and there were ways of getting around it. And what Jesus is trying to get at is it's better to live a life of consistency. I've spoken about Lent before. I am not a big fan of it. At the same time, I have a really good friend who says that in the darkest season of his life, and it was a dark season, that the observance of Lent was what the Lord used to minister to him in the darkest moment of his life. Interesting. Because I would be one to dismiss it as just a religious vow that Jesus here says don't do. 
And certainly that was my experience. I went to school with a bunch of kids that went to Lutheran church and that, or, or uh, other kinds of churches where they made a big deal about Lent. And so then they'd be like, oh, hey, do you want to go see this movie? No, I can't. I gave up movies for Lent. Hey, do you want to go do this thing? No, I can't. I gave up doing fun for Lent. You know, whatever it was. And it was like, why? Like, why are we putting that pressure on people? There's no joy in that. What Jesus is telling us is that rather than living a publicly pious life, live a consistent life. We can make a big deal about like how we're going to do this thing or that thing. It's just, just do it or don't do it, but don't try to prop yourself up. Now, I took a vow when I got married. Angie and I both gave vows. When I was ordained, I actually uh, was asked some things and I responded in, in terms of sort of a vow. When I was assigned to this church, the superintendent comes, we have what's called an installation ceremony when a new pastor comes to one of our churches and the superintendent comes and he says, hey, you know, will you do these things? And it's almost like a, it's, it's kind of like a fake marriage thing. I don't know what's going on. I didn't come up with it. But I don't think that God's mad at us for doing those things. It's not about like taking a vow or not taking a vow. It's not about observing Lent or not observing Lent. But it's about being consistent because you know what? Anyone can do anything for 10 seconds and anyone cannot eat bread for a month. But it's a lifetime of consistency. I can make a vow and say, I'm not going to do this thing that I've deemed as sinful and harmful in my life. And anybody can do that for a couple weeks. But what am I doing to live in consistency over the long term? Anyone can you know, do something for a minute Anyone can make a big show for a month, but over the long term, what am I doing? I think that's the big idea when it comes to oaths and vows. So I would say in my personal life and in my public ministry, I try to minimize anything like that and try to just say, hey, how can we consistently live? We were talking about this in small group, you know, a, a, a long faithfulness in the same direction, you know, or a long obedience in the same direction. Like how do we just live like that as opposed to like these like, all right, it's, it's that time of year where we all try to be really good. At the same time, if you find the rhythms of you know, historic church practices like Lent to be helpful to you, uh, if you find that taking a, a, a vow here or there is helpful, and you feel like, hey, you know, with, within what Jesus is saying, I think I'm in the spirit of that. I'm not here to judge or to tell you what to do on that one. Hopefully you find this helpful. We have one more short teaching out of Matthew chapter 5 tomorrow, and we'll see you again. You can email adam at faithonhill.com if you have any questions or if I said something that you're like, that's wrong or whatever. I love it when people uh, get conversations going. It's way better than just going, eh. We'll see you tomorrow for our final short teaching from Matthew chapter 5.